0: We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hey, Robin. Cheryl, we're back. (laughs) We're back. It's so good to see you in studio. Um, I like what we're doing today.
1: Yes. So, for those of you who are just tuning in, I'm Robin Jones-Gunn, and this is Cheryl Broderson. A few years ago, Cheryl got this brilliant idea to start a podcast called Women Worth Knowing. That's right. A lot of the stories have been about women in history, a lot of not well-known women, but we have invited our listeners to send in stories of women that they felt we should know about. We have put together a few of those Stories, and we're going to call this episode
0: and others like it in the future, Letters from Listeners. I love that. And I, I think hopefully this will stimulate you, if you're one of the listeners or um, maybe even a watcher, uh, to write about somebody who's been really instrumental or inspirational in your life. Because there's a lot of unknown women, like moms sure. and aunts and neighbors, who will never be written in a book. Their names will not be known on earth. We know they'll be known in heaven. But they've inspired and they've blessed so many and influenced. Mm -hmm. So these letters are really important to both Robin and I. Um, And we've been waiting for this time. We used to stick them at the end of a broadcast sometimes when Jasmine and I were doing it together. But now we want to kind of just take a whole program Mm -hmm. and do these letters Yes, and some of you have
1: sent in women that you just suggested their name that we should look up, and we have a list going. So we are looking into researching those women, and you might not know, it takes hours. Cheryl and I both compared mm-hmm. yeah. how many hours it takes us, because we want to get it right, yes. we want to be able to be um, able to tell the story when, especially there's a lot of different references, and we can't always double-check them against each other, so... Just know that this comes from our hearts to you, and if you have sent in a woman that you feel is worth knowing and we should research, she's on our list, and if you told us about a relative of yours you'd like us to
0: talk about, we will do Letters from Listeners in future episodes. That's right, and we're really excited uh, to bring you um, this episode, and I wanted to talk... um, Robin, you know this. Just one of the reasons that I felt so led to start this podcast, Women Worth Knowing. And I was teaching at the Bible College. I still teach at the Bible College, um... But I'm doing more uh, visitation and teaching block classes. But I used to teach regularly. And the girls were getting this education. One of my classes I taught was doctrine. And this one girl said, you know, why am I learning all this about the Bible when there's no place for me in Mm. ministry? And I said, well, how are you defining ministry? What what do you mean by ministry? Because as I see it, there's a lot of ministries that are open to you that are going to need this knowledge of the Word of God and this understanding, um, like counseling, uh, leading other uh, other women. And um, I was, you know, naming off all these occupations. And I even think about you, Robin, you're a writer. Mm-hmm. And you really never had a public platform, except for you were a counselor. That's a ministry to, to young girls. But you needed to have that Bible knowledge to write these books that would inspire young women. So I was just kind of naming off all the different opportunities um, that you can use a, a Bible education in. And I started thinking about some of the women that so inspired me, like Gladys Elward, Amy mm. uh, Carmichael, as well as others, and how much knowledge they had of the Word of God. Another one is Phyllis Thompson that I haven't done an episode on, but I will. We'll get there. (laughs) But all of these women had a profound understanding and love for the Word of God. And many of the women that we've talked about uh, went to either Moody Bible College or Minneapolis uh, School of the Bible. Um, Another one went to Bible College in Tennessee. But most of the women... Wanted to know the Bible. Even Elizabeth Blackwell mm-hmm. uh, had studied the Bible for a for a doctor, uh, medical profession. So, if you're out there, I want you to know that um, whether you're complementarian or hard complementarian or egalitarian or mutualist, uh, for, or even if you don't know what that is, don't worry, you don't have to. the, yes. the point is, God's Word is the foundation. That's right, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, None of those positions exclude you from knowing the Word of God and loving the Word of God and being able to utilize the Word of God. I think Robin and I pretty much don't use uh, those those generalizations or those categories because we want to be free-flowing and say, you know what? Mm-hmm. We want to see whose lives the Spirit is upon, especially when we're talking about women. So. That's one of the reasons we started this podcast, and we just fell in love with these women that have been so influential uh, throughout history, and we wanted to talk about them and let our listeners know about these women.
1: And I would like to
0: know, Cheryl, a woman that inspired you in real life as you were growing up. Can you think of one? Oh, yeah. Right off the bat was my aunt, Easy, who um, yeah. I talked about her in one program, but she was not even five feet tall. But she was one of the godliest, most loving women. Mm. Um, She had been married twice. I mean, she had kind of this wild past, but she was listening on a radio. She lived in San Diego. She was married to an architect, and she heard the gospel uh, through Amy Simple McPherson coming over the radio, and she got down on her knees, and she received Jesus, Mm -hmm. and she drove up to L.A., um, told her mom and her stepfather about this, and um, actually my mother, too. Anyway, they all... Uh, gave their lives to the Lord through my aunt, and started going to um, uh, the temple, Los Angeles temple with Amy simple McPherson. And then they ended up, um, my aunt ended up enrolling in Bible college, life Bible college, not even knowing where that would take her. And her husband at that point said, you need to make a decision. It's either me or Jesus. And she said, it's Jesus. And she made a a covenant with the Lord you're now my husband for the rest of my life so she ended up going as a missionary first to uh, Puerto Rico and then after Puerto Rico she went as a missionary short term to Ecuador started a orphanage in Ecuador called House of Happiness Uh, then she was um assigned by the Foursquare organization to Arizona, and she went to Phoenix, and at mm-hmm. the time, there was nothing in Phoenix. She went as a missionary to the Hopi Indians, which was mm-hmm. why Catherine Beard, that we talked yep, about on a yep. previous episode, was so important to me, because I was like, yep. that was the same call, about the same time as my Aunt Isi. I In fact, I bet they knew each other. Oh, I'm sure. So, My Aunt Easy goes out there to minister the Hopi Indians, and all she has is a tent that the Four Square Church has provided for her and a cornet. And she could play the cornet, <laughs> which is like a little trumpet. And she would stand on a corner, and she would play the cornet. People would come around to hear her play. And then she'd start preaching the gospel. And then she'd invite them to these evangelistic services in this tent. And that was the beginning of the first four-square church of Phoenix, Arizona, which is still there. Amazing. And my Aunt esi helped to mix the blocks of adobe yep. um, that the That the church is made out of. Um, After that, she started a camp in Williams, Arizona, for foster children, and it was called Camp Friendly Acres. And she would invite my family, my dad, mainly, to come out every every summer for two weeks. And he would teach first at the younger camp, which was ages like six through eleven, and then he would teach at the senior camp, which was usually ages thirteen through, you know, even young college. Uh, kids, mm. And it was interesting because many of the foster kids who went to that camp, who received the Lord, came back as counselors huh. years later and served with my aunt. She made everyone feel so loved. She used to run the snack bar. My dad said that snack bar never made money because Easy was always <laughs> giving away the candy. If the kids didn't have enough candy, she'd be like, oh, just the right amount. And she, <laughs> she just was such um, an inspiration. So I watched her um, interact with patients. And just loved her, and then, and you used to take trips to Arizona and help out in the summer when you were growing up. No, I wish. Oh, you did? no, oh. no, no. I wish. Um, no, the last time I visited the camp, I was seven, so I was actually a camp camper. Um, she lost the camp in a lawsuit. It's a really tragic story. Um, She lost the camp and it went derelict after that. But they bought um, a new campground just down the road and rebuilt it. And Young Life actually came in and said, can we Mm. buy it from you? So they sold it to Young Life. So at that point, they would just go to the camp and they had, the. by this time, they're in like their 70s and 80s. She worked with an associate named Mary Jane May. And so together they, you know, these two 70-year-olds were running snack bars and organizing camps. It just became too much for them. So they sold the camp to Young Life, who took it over. And it's a beautiful facility uh, today. I've been there. I've spoken at retreats. But what's funny is going there and seeing the facility, I'm like, this was not built by my aunts. Because they were mm-hmm. very um, careful with their money. And everything was <laughs> the red wood, where they would paint the wood kind of a red color. And they said, no, Young Life. Most of these buildings, over behind the dining room, you can see the original buildings. I went and I went. Yes, these are <laughs> That's the buildings. Yes, no. that my aunt would build. So she was just very inspirational. And again, she lost the camp in a lawsuit. It was a wrong lawsuit. The parties that sued her later apologized uh, mm-hmm. posthumously for what they had done. But she took it all in her stride. She'd say, "Well, I don't think that was right of them, but my responsibility." is to forgive, not to hold a grudge, not to judge. And she never judged anybody. She left the judgment out to the Lord and felt her responsibility was to love and to show them the way of Christ. And that's what she did. And she was just—I uh, would only see her, really, about twice a year. But when I was in college, she wrote me um, at least once a week. And every letter— really? Every letter contained a um, dollar or two dollars for either apple juice or sodi pop as she called it. Sody pop. Sody pop. And she would always and she was brilliant, but she just had these little euphemisms that she would use that were so cute. And always contained Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. She was actually a registered nurse. She got her education in nursing and then went on to get a master's degree in theology. Yeah, brilliant. Well, those
1: letters, what a gift because I assumed you'd spent lots of time with her and summer's there and everything just because you've spoken of her often and right. she had such an impact. That's but right. Those letters. The letters. Which is such a word for us today to take to
0: heart. Right. How are we encouraging the next generation? And snail mail means so much. Yes, it does. To people. But, you know, another thing, too, like not only did she do the letters, but she never forgot a birthday or... Um, valentine's day and even my children and really you know all of my oh that's she was more like a grandmother almost but she would send um, my kids and um, all of my mom's grandchildren birthday cards she was just like clockwork and they always had a scripture and a little special note You know, like the Lord loves you, you know, live for Jesus, something inspirational. But she also had this incredible ability to work with the most difficult people, people that everybody else had given up on. Um, In fact, my mom used to say that her mother had told her because she nursed with um, E.C. they, They nursed together at the same hospital that all the crazy and difficult patients were given to E.C. because she had such a way with them. And so with the difficult people that no one else could you know, get along with who were Christians, but you know, some people just are born with a really bad personality. Yep. And my aunt was just uh, marvelous with them, yeah. just amazing. And they absolutely adored her. Everyone who met my aunt adored her. And she just had that profound, loving effect on everybody she met. So she was, she was my mom's probably greatest inspiration as well as my greatest inspiration. She's inspiring to everyone who met her.
1: I am so glad you gave us so much of her story because I've heard of her off and yes. on. And um, we we didn't plan to really start off with her, but I'm so glad that we did because the simple things, just a ministry of birthday cards, what an impact that had on you. And snack bars. And snack bars. <laughs> <laughs> the, because it's, it's loving in a very tangible way.
0: She also loved fun. Like, she loved fun. She knew how to enjoy life. Every time she'd come out, she'd be like, okay, we're going to Disneyland. And we had no money for that. And she'd pay for all of us to go to Mm -hmm. Disneyland. She didn't have that much money, but she would save up her money to take us all to Disneyland. Um, She wanted to see the glory of Christmas. Mm -hmm. That used to be at um, the Crystal Cathedral Mm -hmm. with the live animals. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, the camels and Mm -hmm. everything. And so she wanted to see the kids faces when they saw all of this and my son who was four at the time char he got up on his seat put his hands on his hips and said what's going on here what's going on here when the (laughs) angels came flying across the sky and so after that my aunt easy would come in a room put her hands on her hips and go what's going on here what's going on here (laughs) she had this way of capturing the you know the um the beauty and the fun and the joy mm-hmm. of life mm-hmm. like no one I've ever uh, seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she loved to go to the beach. Every time she'd come out from Arizona, we had to just drive to the beach. And she'd just want to get out and just look at the waves. And um, she had admiration for trees and nature. Loved, um, loved the Hopi people. Uh, could tell you so much about the Hopi people, including their names and where they lived and their food. And uh, her house was filled with rugs and trinkets that people had given her. She also loved angels. She collected angels. She had a collection of angels everywhere. She also had a collection of shrunken heads that she would gotten in Ecuador um, in her office that she hung. I mean, I'm telling you, she had a big Smokey the Bear and she would go rock collecting with rock collecting. Collectors and come back and polish them and had a collection of rocks. She was just so mm. unique. And I think as Christians, she taught me um, kind of the joy of the Christian life, not to take myself so seriously and to really enjoy life, not get tangled up in the legalism, but that God has given all things yeah, yeah. to us uh, to freely enjoy. He made the earth, you know, And the sky and the trees. And how it must delight him that we are just thrilled with that. I remember one time
1: about four years ago, pulling into a parking lot and turning off the car. I was in a hurry, and I looked up, and this tree was just in bloom. And I just sat in the car and started crying, and I go, God, you made that. Has anyone else told you thank you today? I'm going to tell you thank you for that tree. Look at that tree. That's an amazing tree. Look at the... And just all the things God does for us, and how she was able to capture
0: she was. that in an echo back to Him. Well, thank you. That's beautiful. Yes. I love everything you did. She loved stuffed animals. She had stuffed squirrels and uh, these kind of things because she loved to have them yeah, around maybe the house. The head shrinking, yeah, the head shrinking. And the but you know what? I don't know. <laughs> no, they weren't real squirrels. They were, you know, just, just a pretend. toy. Yeah, toy squirrels. But, you know, and, and Smokey the Bear. She loved Smokey the Bear. But we would go in our house and. You wanted to go in her office and just look at all those. And she had her office was filled with books. She was a reader, mm-hmm. extraordinary, um, extraordinary reader too. Loved to read. But again, you know, loved to watch Perry Mason. That was her favorite show. In fact, that was the only show she really watched on television. <laughs> but she loved Perry Mason. And all of those things just brought such joy and beauty to life. So that's that's mine. What about you, Robin? Wow. Well, so many, right? Yes, so many.
1: Uh, One that comes to mind, and maybe we'll have to ask each other these questions off and on, because um, the one that just came to mind, I, I don't even know her. I haven't officially met her. I've had some email correspondence. When I was a teenager and at an evening service at church, she had just gotten back from a missions trip to South America She was probably 18 or 19 years old. Beautiful. She stood in the pulpit and gave a report, maybe had some slides. Her name was Heidi uh, Carlson, and then she married and was Heidi Coombs. And I, at that moment, as a 15- or 16-year-old girl, thought, look how she loves Jesus. Wow. I want wow. to yes. radiate his love right. the way she yes. does. And she went to South America and she's saying that she wants to be a missionary. Like That really peeled away all the other influence of my friends at that time who had all these other goals in life. And that here was someone who was just alive mm-hmm. and so excited. And indeed, Heidi did return to uh, Peru think it was Peru, could have been Ecuador, I think it was Peru, but she and her husband translated a dialect, translated the Bible into a dialect. See, I don't know her. I don't know that much about her, but her... Um, Daughters and granddaughters have read my books and written to me. And so I've connected with her. She's your mom. She's your grandma. She influenced me as a teenager Wow, that full circle. I love that. And and this is a perfect segue to what I wanted to start the program today, that there are these women that we will meet in eternity. Mm -hmm. And the inspiration, the influence. When you talk about influencers, these women have molded us into who we are and without spending summers with, without really even right. meeting them or right. knowing them. Right. And our, another sweet friend of ours, Michelle Yule, who has been on the show before and will be back yeah. again, uh, wrote a little piece of prose that she calls, We'll Catch Up in Eternity. And when I read this, I thought, oh, we have to read that on the program because this is exactly
0: what we feel when we talk about these women. Before you read Michelle's poem... When I turned 57, which was quite a few years ago now, I remember saying to the Lord, what's my theme for this year? And he, he took me, believe it or not, to Heinz 57 Sauce. I read this book <laughs> on Heinz, uh, the inventor of Heinz 57 Sauce and of Heinz Ketchup. And he used 57 different ingredients to make his 57 Sauce. Oh, And he said each ingredient, though, some portions were smaller than others, was essential to getting that full flavor. And the Lord spoke to me and said, how many people have flavored your life? How oh, many different that. people? And yeah. so I started thinking about all the different people that have added flavor to my life. And I tried to reach out to them and say, thank you for the flavor that you've added mm. to my life. You know, I had, a, I had a Good News Club teacher, Mrs. Grimshaw, who taught at the house next door and made me love Bible stories and flannel graphs. I had a lady named Janie Williams, who she and her husband, Don Williams, were my Sunday school teachers. And Janie always did a uh, hymn and made me love Mm -hmm. hymns Mm -hmm. i was i think nine or ten years old and i can just go back and you know being raised in church there's certain things that are absolutely wonderful because it's a family and you think of these different people who have influenced and blessed your life in just these small and then sometimes meaningful ways. Sunday school teachers that have blessed me oh, yes. so much. I mean, I thank God for the Sunday school teachers. I know we're doing a greater work than anyone realizes. And someday someone's going to come back and say, you were an influence. Mm-hmm. But I can't wait to hear Michelle's. Well, exactly.
1: Michelle's piece of prose will catch up in eternity. And I'll read it to you now. It always seems to me that we are kindred spirits and We're both extremely busy people. I see you across the room and catch your eye. I think of all the things I'd like to say, ways I'd love to commiserate, stories I want to hear, but you're moving in a different circle with people who need you in a different way. There's no time when we're going about kingdom business. I'm just as busy too, but with a different group that needs my particular gifts so, we recognize we're kindred spirits, smile, nod, and move along. While I'd love to know you better, I think we'll catch up in
0: eternity. I think that's such a perfect... Um, it says it all, doesn't it? That's it really does. A, a perfect, perfect word. And I think also, especially for people um, like us who are kind of public... And we're also, you know, I'm a pastor's wife and I'll meet Mm -hmm. people or I'll, you know, when I go on a missions trip and you want to give them something so deep, so rich and you want to stay in touch. But our lives are so different. Yes. And it is difficult. I just really, really love it. But, you know. And thank you, Michelle,
1: for sending that to us because that's. Yeah. An ideal way to start now, Cheryl, you tell us about this next woman, and this was sent in to us from one of our listeners,
0: and we're going to find out about this very special woman that she met. You know, it's interesting, because I've heard of Eleanor Turnbull before, and that's the woman we're going to highlight. Cannot. yeah. And uh, it's Kelly who sent this in to us, and she said, I'm going to just read her letter, mm-hmm. I wanted you to know about a woman I met in Haiti when I was there on a short-term mission trip. I have since read a book she wrote called All Who Passed By. I think I've read that book, too. It's a collection of stories about the people who passed by her home in Haiti for 50 years. Eleanor's husband, Wallace, also wrote a book about his life in Haiti titled Say to These Mountains. I think I've read that book, too. I think I have, too. It sounded very familiar when I saw that. Right. When I met Eleanor, isn't that great? She got to meter i was unaware of her education her gifts and her influence what i saw was an adorable 90 something woman who was tanned from the haitian sun and i thought her wrinkles were one of the most beautiful things i had ever seen Mm, i love that she she held my hand and told me know god and make him known i want to share her story with you eleanor was born eleanor jane holderman on August 8, 1924, don't you love this, to Bertha and Roscoe Doc Holderman <laughs> in rural Tippah County, Mississippi. Eleanor acquired her pilot's license early in life, following her dream of being a missionary as a bush pilot in Africa. She earned her undergraduate degree at Stetson University and her M.A. in Christian education at Columbia Bible Institute, known today as Columbia University. She was the kind of young woman who had submitted herself to God's will and was willing to go anywhere for his name's sake. She felt a strong pull to serve in Africa. All that would change When Eleanor was 20 years old, when a single trip changed her life's trajectory. Man, Kelly is such a good writer, too. Eleanor's mother, Bertha, had wanted to be a missionary for her entire life. However, with a German name in the era of World Wars, she was not allowed to leave the United States until she was in her 50s. So Mm. Bertha became a nurse by trade and served her local community. Finally, in 1947, with her children grown and God's calling as strong as ever, she moved to Haiti to serve with a fledgling ministry. Later that year, Eleanor came to see her mother's new home and became acquainted with a young man working alongside Bertha, Wallace Turnbull. What, what a story, right? (laughs) What a story. Your mother, your mother is your introduction into the mission field and your husband. One year later... Eleanor moved to Haiti and she and Wallace were married. Reflecting upon her decision to marry Wallace, Eleanor said that she saw the opportunity for them to work together as servants of Jesus. I married for holiness, not happiness, she said. It was obvious to me that this was God's will. There was a divine, sacred, preordained plan here. Isn't that something?
1: I'm married for holiness, not happiness. Can you name one other person you've ever met who would have said that? I mean, I do know some
0: who may have thought that. Yeah. But what a well, single I, focus. I remember saying to Brian, though, like, if we're not going to serve Jesus together, if yeah. we're not better together serving Jesus, if we're not like a dynamic duo for Jesus, then I think I can pass. On this, as much as I love you and attracted to you, I want to make sure that there's a future serving Jesus. And I remember he said to me, "I could almost promise you we'll never own a house, and we could just serve the Lord." (laughs) So we've owned three houses, only one at a time. But that was important, and I think you probably had the same thing with Ross
1: when Ross came home at uh, the dinner table and. Asked my dad if he could marry me. My dad turned to me and he said, why do you want to marry this one? I had been engaged before and I had brought home a couple of pretty wonderful men before that I thought had potential. So my dad embarrassed me. Why do you want to marry this one? And I looked at Ross and I said, I cannot imagine spending a day without him. And I know that I am with him and my life. I am. Much better suited to serve the Lord. And I think that with me in his life, he will also go further in serving the Lord. And my dad said, okay, good answer. If you'd said, we're so in love, right. I would have told you, come back in six months and tell me how it's going. But yeah, that's it. The the working together side by side, that's such a
0: full life. It really is. Okay, we're going to finish with Eleanor um next week because we're out of time for this episode so we love to leave you with cliffhangers if you haven't noticed (laughs) it's one of our favorite things this is the way we make sure that you're going to come back and we've decided uh we were struggling with how to close and we decided to close with a blessing so robin will you start us with a blessing the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Love it. Thank you for joining us until next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Robin on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at CCCM.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones Gunn.